Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This show is brought to you by Irish Newspaper Archives, the gateway to Ireland's great historical past. The Archive is an amazing resource if you want to delve deeper into Irish history or genealogy. With over 70 newspapers covering nearly three centuries of history, there's little you won't find in this essential archive for fans of Irish history. As a listener to the Irish History Podcast, you can get 30% off monthly and yearly packages now by going to irishnewspaperarchives.com forward slash podcast and use the coupon code POD30. That address is irishnewspaperarchives.com forward slash podcast and the coupon code is POD30. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn Dwyer and this is the first of two episodes on the Kilkenny Witchcraft Trial of 1324. In the year 1324, Ireland was rocked by what was one of the first witchcraft trials in European history. Nearly 700 years have passed since these remarkable events, but even to this day, they continue to fascinate and intrigue. While this story was covered briefly in a podcast over four years ago, this episode looks at the full story, which is often distorted in myths and legends surrounding the trial. The truth, as you're about to hear, is a truly remarkable chapter in our history. Now, to make this episode, I went back to as many original sources as possible, and the first show sets the scene by painting a picture of life in Kilkenny in the 1320s, which I feel is integral to understanding the trial. It also introduces the main characters. Then, in the second show, we'll look at the exact dynamics of the lethal proceedings when the case got underway. To accompany this podcast, I've decided to organise a once-off tour to explore the places where this witchcraft trial took place, and incredibly, many of the locations that staged these events over 700 years ago still survive in Kilkenny today. This unique, exclusive tour is going to take place on April the 20th, 2019, and will be a fascinating journey back to medieval Kilkenny. 
you'll be able to stand in the buildings where these enthralling events took place, hearing the full story of this remarkable trial. The tour will also be enhanced by interactive listening devices, providing you with the sounds of what medieval Kilkenny was like. It's a unique chance to gain an insight into life in one of Ireland's best-preserved medieval cities and what it would have been like during these incredible times. The tour is a full-day event, leaving Dublin on Saturday, April the 20th by bus at 9am and returning that evening around 7pm. Places are extremely limited to a maximum of just 25 people. Tickets for the entire day, which includes travel by private coach, walking tours and access to several paid locations and a meal, cost just €100. Euros. Listeners who have become patrons at patreon.com forward slash Irish podcast get tickets with a 10% discount. Now this will make a lovely, unique gift for anyone intrigued by medieval Ireland or these events. You can get tickets now by going to irishpodcast.eventbrite.ie That address is unusual, so it's irishpodcast.eventbrite.ie That link is going to be available in the show notes, but do book early because, as I say, places are limited to 25 people. In early 1324, the city of Kilkenny was gripped by fear. What were very dangerous rumours were circulating about one of the city's most influential merchants, Alice Kittler. A wealthy and powerful lady, she had long been resented by many in what was a time of great hardship. But these stories, once the harmless gossip of alehouses, had developed a new and distinctly sinister tone with far-reaching implications in the spring of 1324. They had been transformed when the Bishop of Ossory lent his weight and legitimacy to them. However, he embellished them beyond what anyone in Kilkenny had been claiming. This bishop, Richard Ledred, implied Alice Kittler was no ordinary woman. He accused her of having a hand in the deaths of three of her husbands, an accusation that seemed to be supported by the fact that her fourth husband lay gravely and suspiciously ill. However, according to the bishop, this had been done through the worship of demons and the devil himself, something that made Alice a heretic. Ledred claimed she indulged in the most bizarre rituals and practices, that she sacrificed living animals to a demon called Artus Phileus. She concocted lethal potions in the skull of a decapitated robber. She also, it was said, had sex with an incubus, a demon who appeared in physical form, on some occasions as a black cat, a hairy dog, or sometimes a black man. And ludicrous as they may sound, the bishop was adamant that Alice Kittler would stand trial as a witch and a heretic. Bizarre as these rumours of witchcraft and heresy were, they were no laughing matter. Less than 20 years earlier, in 1308, the Knights Templar, one of the most powerful religious orders in Europe, had been destroyed with several leading members burned at the stake when they had faced charges that were reminiscent of those being levelled against Alice Kittler. While the allegations would have struggled to garner any support back in the time of their parents or grandparents, the people of Kilkenny in the 1320s were living in strange and fearful days, and the bishop's potentially deadly allegations rested on a firm foundation in a Kilkenny traumatised by the appalling experiences of the recent past and a deep fear and anxiety about what lay ahead for them in the future. 
Indeed, the origins of Alice Kittler's forthcoming trial could be traced back at least a decade into the nightmarish experiences of the people of the city themselves when fundamental changes had taken hold over life in the region. Alice Kittler was born in a very different Ireland around 50 years previous to these events. Her ancestors, as the name suggests, were not from Ireland. Indeed, most who lived in the Kilkenny of Alice's youth were colonists and settlers in Ireland. Back in the 1170s, Ireland had been invaded by Anglo-Norman lords from Wales and England who had taken the land from the native Gaelic Irish. The Kilkenny, as Alice knew it, and where the witchcraft trial would take place, had only emerged around the year 1200. About 30 years after the Normans had first landed in Ireland, they started to develop the city, transforming the area. This saw a huge cathedral rise in the northern end of the new city on the site of a native monastery that gave Kilkenny its name, the Irish Kilkunig, or Church of Canis. Almost as if to create a great counterbalance in the landscape, the early generations of conquerors had also built a great stone fortress, Kilkenny Castle, to control the River Nore, and this formed the southern extreme of the town. In the following decades, the city that grew up between these two great buildings, the cathedral and the castle, had attracted merchants from across Europe. Among these had been Alice's forebears. Probably coming from Ypres in Flanders, the Kittlers were living in Kilkenny by the 1280s when Alice's uncle, Jose, had died in the town. His ornate carved funeral slab, still in Kilkenny today, was an indication of the family's growing wealth. However, by the 1320s, when Alice Kittler looked on the tomb of Jose Kittler, she surely questioned the wisdom of her forefathers in moving to Ireland. The days when Kilkenny was alluring to international merchants were long gone. Life in the city had changed in the early 14th century, changes that directly led to a climate of fear that set the stage for Alice's trial. However, Alice's own life, and in particular her marital history, were also crucial. The Kittler family had done well after moving to Kilkenny. In the later years of the 13th century, they had established themselves as merchants and moneylenders, and it was no surprise that the young Alice was married off to one of the most powerful families in the city, the Outlaws. Her husband, William Outlaw, was a very wealthy man, while her brother-in-law, Roger, was rising through the ranks of the Knights Hospitaller, a powerful crusading order with great influence over the royal administration in Dublin. Alice had two children in this first marriage, a son, William, named after his father, and a daughter, Rose. Her son, William Outlaw, would himself emerge as a powerful figure in Kilkenny in the early 14th century and would play a central role in her trial. It was during her first marriage that the first cracks appeared in the Norman colony in Ireland and indicated that life in the future could be more challenging than it had been. The native Gaelic Irish, who had seemed utterly vanquished a few decades previously, were emerging as a major force again, raiding the colony from their strongholds in the Wicklow and Schlee of Bloom mountains. As the royal authorities struggled to maintain control, the key roadway that connected Kilkenny to the colonial capital in Dublin was now extremely dangerous and often impassable. A parliament as early as 1297 had heard that The Royal Highway is now in many places grown and blocked by the thickness of the quickly growing wood that scarcely anyone can pass through. 
As a result of this, the Irish, returning from their misdeeds, can escape without harm. Meanwhile, the roads around New Ross, the most important port for Kilkenny, was plagued by brigands. While the future seemed uncertain, Alice Kittler had her own problems. Around the year 1300, her first husband, William Outlaw, died. As was common, she remarried relatively quickly. Alice's second husband was another wealthy individual called Adam Leblond. Events in this second marriage to Adam Leblond were pivotal in the trial of 1324, as it was during this second marriage that she began to garner her notorious reputation. There was certainly growing resentment in Kilkenny towards Alice Kittler and indeed her second husband Adam Leblond over their vast wealth which was revealed in a 1303 court case when the house of Alice's son William Outlaw was raided by the authorities. During that raid they seized £3,000 belonging to Alice and her husband. The couple would subsequently be accused of murder in the hope that the money would be declared forfeit. While Alice and her husband were found not guilty, the fact that they had £3,000 made them some of the richest people in Kilkenny and they were clearly the envy of Manny. However, this was only the prelude to the main scandal in their marriage. In 1307, Alice's husband Adam took a very unusual step when he left all his wealth to Alice's son, William Outlaw. Then, when he died not long afterwards, making Alice a widow for the second time, some questioned his odd decision to leave everything to his stepson. His other children from previous marriages had essentially been cut out of their father's inheritance. This move would be very important. However, at the time of her second husband's death, whatever suspicions circulated around Alice, she had little trouble in finding another suitor and by 1309 she married for the third time, on this occasion to Richard Laval, a prominent aristocrat. During this marriage, her son, William Outlaw, again profited, which was something unusual given he was a man in his 20s or even 30s by this stage. By 1316, Alice was widowed now for the third time when Richard Laval died. In the aftermath of his death, Alice had to go to court to sue the Laval family to get what was called the widow's third, inheritance she was legally entitled to. While there was nothing necessarily suspect in this, to those growing suspicious of Alice, this only reaffirmed their doubts about her. Whatever rumours some had about Alice Kittler, she again had no problem finding another powerful husband when she married for the fourth time, on this occasion to John Lapuer. Lapuer was not only a knight, but also had powerful connections. The patriarch of his family was none other than Arnold Lapuer, one of the most powerful nobles in Kilkenny. This marriage forged a very valuable alliance for Alice in what were very, very unstable times in Kilkenny, an instability that forged the foundations of fear on which her own trial in 1324 would be based. Indeed, it's doubtful whether anything would have come from the idle talk around Alice Kittler and her husband's very short lives had Ireland not been transformed by war from 1315 onwards when the Scots invaded, a conflict that would devastate Ireland. To understand this, we're going to look at one small chapter in that war in March 1317. By March 1317, when Alice Kittler walked the streets of her native Kilkenny, they were deceptively quiet. The spring rain turned the ground underfoot into a quagmire, but this was just the normal seasonal discomforts of medieval life. There were no charred or smouldering ruins, 
nor dead bodies, sights that had become all too familiar in many towns across the island over the previous two years. However, the peace Kilkenny enjoyed was fragile. The southern skyline told of imminent dangers. A few miles outside Kilkenny's walls, a war that had devastated much of Ireland raged dangerously close to the city, and it was clear Kilkenny couldn't escape much longer. A huge Scots army had invaded Ireland in the summer of 1315, and for nearly two years, men from Kilkenny had died on battlefields up and down Ireland. However, in March 1317, the war had finally reached the city itself. Having launched a failed attack on Dublin in late February, the huge Scots army pushed south, burning and destroying everything in their path. They were attempting to force King Edward II's representative in Ireland, Edmund Butler, the Earl of Carrick, into battle, where they hoped they could land the decisive victory that had eluded them in the war so far. This had brought them to Kilkenny. Unfortunately for the people, Butler, the King's representative, owned significant tracts of land surrounding the city, and the Scots plundered his ancestral home at nearby Goran, only a few miles away, in the hope he would give battle. When Butler refused to take this bait and avoided the dangers of open conflict, this left the entire region defenceless. The following days were fraught with tension rising inside the walls of Kilkenny. With Gorn situated only ten miles from the city walls, the large plumes of smoke rising on the distant horizon left little to the imagination about what lay ahead if the Scots decided to attack. In the coming hours and days, Alice Kittler and the people of Kilkenny watched the southern horizon until finally by March 12th they could breathe a little easier. The Scots, having reached the town of Callan to the southwest, were clearly pursuing Butler and were going to bypass Kilkenny. The danger had passed. But the brutal experiences of this war were changing life, not only in the city, but across the entire region. The walls of Kilkenny had the Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Turned the Scots and saved the people from a brutal assault, but these fortifications couldn't stop the effects of war seeping into the city. The conflict had destroyed huge tracts of land, but it was also accompanied by terrible food shortages resulting from three failed harvests in the summer of 1315, 1316 and 1317, leaving many with little to eat. Gaunt and emaciated people staggered through the streets of Kilkenny. The death toll was catastrophic, 
with anywhere between 10 and 20% of the population dying in Ireland during these years of war and famine. Financially, the Norman colony was ruined. No one escaped untouched. This haunted society in years to come, and when the Bishop of Ossery would claim the devil was at work in the land, people would look around them at a world in ruins and see plenty of evidence to support this. While the people of Kilkenny watched the world around them collapse, they also saw major changes in their rulers which had a profound impact on their lives. Changes which compounded the crisis they faced, but also established the rival factions that would become so important when Alice Kittler's trial began. Technically speaking, the medieval city of Kilkenny was actually two separate towns, Irish Town and High Town, ruled by two different authorities. Irish Town, the older of the two, had grown up in the shade of the cathedral, while High Town had been developed closer to the castle from the year 1200. The ultimate feudal overlord of Irish Town was the Bishop of Ossery, while the feudal overlord of High Town was the Lord of Kilkenny. Both these figures and their proxies would be central to the trial. As the Scots rampaged across Kilkenny in 1317, Pope John XXII, then in exile from Rome in the French city of Avignon, decided to promote the local Bishop of Ossery and appoint a replacement. The bishop being promoted was not exactly a devout man. William Fitzjohn, who had ruled over the Diocese of Ossery since 1302, was rumoured to be the father of no less than 14 daughters. Nevertheless, his departure at what was a critical moment still spelled uncertainty. With the papal court in Avignon over 1,700 kilometres from Kilkenny, word that he was being replaced by a member of the Franciscan order being sent from the papal court presumably reached Kilkenny long before the man did himself. The name of the new bishop, if they heard it, Richard Ledred, meant little to the townspeople of Kilkenny. Ledred was completely unknown in Ireland. However, it was this man who would transform life in the city and most of all, for Alice Kittler. However, in that summer of 1317, changes elsewhere saw Alice's allies become increasingly powerful. In 1314, the Lord of Kilkenny, Gilbert de Clare, had been killed at the Battle of Bannockburn in Scotland. Now, de Clare's death was no great loss for the people of Kilkenny. He had been a total stranger to them. While they paid taxes to this 21-year-old Lord, they had never even set eyes on the man, given he had never visited the city. While his life had had a minimal impact, Gilbert de Clare's death, however, had major ramifications. He had no children, so his estate encompassing millions of acres of land across Britain and Ireland was carved up and divided between his three sisters. Now the people of Kilkenny, instead of having one lord, had three, all of whom would be absent living in England. It had made little sense to carve Kilkenny into three pieces, so a council was appointed to run the region as one, and the revenues were split equally between the sisters. This development enhanced the power of Alice Kittler's in-laws from her fourth marriage, the Lapuere family. Arnold Lapuere, the family patriarch, had long since served as steward of Kilkenny for the Declare family, and this new situation strengthened his hand immeasurably. Given the three Declare sisters lived in England and had little interest in Kilkenny, Arnold could pretty much do as he pleased. While this was good news for Alice Kittler to gain such a powerful ally, the Lapuers were somewhat notorious with a reputation for lawlessness. 
In 1304, a member of the family, Andrew de Puer, had been hanged as a brigand. In 1311, several of his relatives had abducted a wealthy widow, Margaret Berkeley, in the hope one of their number would forcibly marry her and gain control over her lands. In 1317, Arnold de Puer had to pledge for the good behaviour of no less than 15 members of the family who received pardons for various crimes, and Arnold himself was cut from the same cloth. Rumours had circulated that he had only become steward of Kilkenny because he had murdered his rival back in 1310. By 1320, the rise of the Lapuers and the Scots invasion left Kilkenny a changed and destabilised world. The four years that followed, leading to the trial of 1324, saw little by way of a recovery. Instead, it left the people traumatised and fearful, an essential component to the witchcraft trial. Before we move the story forward, towards 1324 I just want to take a quick break With Christmas approaching the sponsors of today's show have a great present for that person in your life who loves Irish history or is really big into genealogy IrishNewspaperArchives.com offer an incredible insight into the world of our ancestors over the last three centuries Their archives with dozens of newspapers present history in the most vivid detail and allow anyone, no matter what your level of experience is, to delve into the first-hand accounts of Ireland's fascinating past. Now, a subscription to the archives is such a great gift. It's literally hours, indeed days of enjoyment for your friends or family members who love history. You can get 30% off monthly and yearly packages now by going to irishnewspaperarchives.com forward slash podcast and using the coupon code POD30. That gives you access to the archives of over 70 Irish newspapers that stretch all the way back to the 1730s. That address is irishnewspaperarchives.com forward slash podcast and use the coupon code POD30 to get 30% off. One last time, that address is irishnewspaperarchives.com forward slash podcast and the coupon code is POD30. Initially, the year 1318 had promised a return to stability, not only in Kilkenny, but across Ireland. On the 14th of October, an army of colonists finally and conclusively defeated the Scots at the Battle of Fart outside Dundalk. This victory brought three years of war and destruction to an end. The corpse of the Scots leader Edward Bruce, a man who had proclaimed himself King of Ireland, was carved into several pieces, with his head being sent to England to prove to King Edward II he was dead, and the rest of him nailed to gates around Ireland as a warning to would-be traitors. Kilkenny is the largest inland city in Ireland, may well have received one of these macabre trophies of war. However, in the warren of houses that lay between Kilkenny Castle and the cathedral, the people continued to suffer, despite the fact the war was at an end. Peace did not return. The future was bleak. For some it seemed hopeless. The war appeared to have inflicted a fatal wound into the already faltering Norman colonial society. A parliament which met in Dublin in 1320 heard, The common people of Ireland are greatly distressed and well-nigh destroyed. The lands of the people are wasted and destroyed by diverse evildoers. All manner of men send their people to lodging in the houses of honest folk, religious communities and others against their will and take and destroy their goods. 
Idle men and other evil persons against the peace go from city to city, from man to man, demanding presents of money, corn and other kinds of victuals, and if one gives them not at their will, they threaten people with loss of life and limb. These evildoers were not just the Gaelic Irish, but wayward Anglo-Normans who now made their way in the world by the sword. While Ireland was increasingly insecure, the people also faced major economic setbacks. Outbreaks of the disease Rinderpest devastated cattle stocks across Ireland in 1321 and then reappeared in 1324. This not only destroyed herds of cattle, but also oxen, the beasts of burden who pulled ploughs. These blows compounded the economic ruin visited by the Scots army, which lingered for years after the invasion. It was in these days that the final piece of the jigsaw that would lead to Alice Kittler's trial fell into place as the new Bishop of Ossory began to extend his influence over the region. This man was Richard Ledred. Bishop Richard Ledred had arrived in Kilkenny in the autumn of 1317. The days of debauchery in the diocese as he saw it were at an end. An English Franciscan who had spent years at the papal court in Avignon, Ledred was appalled by the way his new diocese had been run by his predecessor, William Fitzjohn. On October the 6th, 1317, Ledred had gathered the clergy from across Kilkenny in St. Canice's Cathedral and spelled out his vision for the future of his diocese. Clerics were banned from keeping concubines. Anyone who attacked members of the church would be excommunicated. He also wrote songs to stop clerics singing what he described as foul secular songs. When he was whipping the clergy into line, he also fired shots across the bows of the wider public in Kilkenny by ordering anyone with the knowledge of heretics in the diocese to report them within 30 days. There was no detail about what he was referring to, and while many may have failed to realise it, it reflected the fact that Ledred was obsessed with heresy. It was in this volatile situation that the rumours about Alice Kittler began to emerge. By 1324, Alice Kittler had a very elaborate and complex web of extended family members. She had at least two children, William and Rose Outlaw. She had at least one brother-in-law with whom she was on good relations with. This was Roger Outlaw, who by 1324 was not only prior of the Knights Hospitaller in Dublin, but also Chancellor of the Norman Colony in Ireland. She was also on good terms with the powerful steward of Kilkenny, Arnold de Puer, another relative through marriage. However, Alice also had numerous stepchildren through some of her previous marriages with whom she did not get along. Some of these people suspected Alice of, at the very least, conning them out of money and possibly killing their fathers. It was these tensions that surfaced in 1324 that set in train the witchcraft trial. Indeed, it can have been little surprise that year when Alice was taken to court by some, but not all, of her former husband's families for essentially profiting from their deaths. They had very little by way of hard evidence. Some of these events had taken place in what would be the distant past. For example, her second husband had died eight years previously, in 1316. However, the families were able to bring a quintessentially medieval charge against Alice, and that was accusing her of being a maleficius, essentially using sorcery to dupe and kill her former husbands. Crucially, this initial case had nothing though to do with demons in the form of black cats, mixing potions in the skulls of decapitated robbers, and most importantly, it had nothing to do with heresy. These were far more serious charges and would all come later. 
This initial case was much more about the children of her previous husband retrieving money they felt was owed to them and perhaps seeing their father's killer punished. However, in Kilkenny in the 1320s, with a population already with deep anxieties about the future, when the Bishop of Ossery, Richard Ledred, a man with a radically different understanding of the world, heard about these accusations, he transformed them into something else entirely. While the people of Kilkenny had been shaped by the trauma of war and famine, Richard Ledred had had his own formative experiences that were very different. While the Norman colony was being ripped asunder by war, Richard had been residing at the papal court in Avignon. This coincided with a time when the church was developing an increasingly intolerant attitude towards any ideas outside of church teaching. They increasingly viewed day-to-day life as a battle between God and the devil. While this might seem like subtle changes in theological debates, it had profound consequences. These new teachings of the church saw those who deviated from their teachings as having entered a pact with the devil to do his bidding in return for rewards. This could now make a person an implacable enemy of the Christian church who had sided with the devil in his attempt to bring down Christianity. By the 1320s, these ideas had been developed heavily by Pope John XXII who had come to the papal throne in 1316 and they would have deadly consequences in Kilkenny. When Alice Kittler's former stepchildren brought a case forward accusing her of using magic, Richard Ledred saw this in very different terms than they would have. To him, this was clear evidence that the devil was at work right under his nose in the streets of Kilkenny. He saw Alice Kittler as a heretic acting in league with the devil. All he needed in his mind was to prove this. He had no doubt it was taking place. From Ledred's perspective, at least, there was no alternative for him but to relentlessly pursue this evil. For the people of Kilkenny, this was both terrifying and alarming. The bishop was an extremist in his interpretation of these matters, but they were living through extreme times. The stakes in this case could not have been higher. For Alice and the eleven who would eventually be implicated in this trial, they were surely aware of the fate of the leading members of the Knights Templar who had been burned at the stake for very similar charges. This was potentially where all these events in Kilkenny were leading to. However, while Richard the Dread could invoke the power of God, Alice Kittler had very real and very powerful and dangerous allies by her side. If Richard the Dread thought his bishop's mitre gave him protection, He clearly didn't understand the society he was living in. This was a traumatised, brutalised world where all too many had been able to get what they wanted through the use of violence. Alice Kittler's allies included the very violent Arnold Lepuer and the brother of her first husband, Roger Outlaw, who were very formidable opponents. If Richard Ledred was to succeed in prosecuting Alice Kittler, he would have to overcome these two men. By no means an easy feat. Join me next time when we follow the story through Alice Kittler's trial in 1324. And don't forget you can book tickets for that tour through Medieval Kilkenny, seeing all the places where these events took place at irishpodcast.eventbrite.ie And if you're a patron, you get 10% off. Until next time, Sláin.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 